So hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Raw Life Podcast, the podcast where I talk to strangers about their life experiences. My name is Paul and I'm your host and I'm joined today by our guest, Scott. Hey, how are you doing? We're all good. So Scott, we'll start off with just getting down with some of the basics. How old are you? As of today, 44 years old. 44? Now, do you mean as today as it's your birthday or just in general? <laughs> no, just, no, no, just in general. <laughs> and And where are you from? I, I, I live in I live in New York. Um, oh, nice. New York. The Big Apple. So, yeah, so there's a bit of a story there, I'm sure. Like when I say New York, um, probably think the city mostly. Yes. But uh, no, I live about it was the opposite lifestyle as you possibly could from the city. We live about 200 miles north of the city. Um, I live in oh, the woods. Really? Around some farms. Um, I have chickens. I have garden. We burn wood. I cut my own wood and we burn wood. Yeah, so... You're very, very resourceful. <laughs> well, that's what we do up here. This is... Uh, yeah, I mean, we're not far from civilization. I mean, I work in I work in a city. Um, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of people that are tucked away up here that uh, live a little bit of a different lifestyle. Oh, nice. We'll definitely get into that. We'll definitely get into that because I want to know more about sure. your lifestyle there. So the next question I was going to ask was, where do you live? But, you know, New York. <laughs> there I mean, yeah. And what do you do for a living? Uh, I work in an office. My, uh, we support uh, some retail pet stores. Um, my, my wife's family started uh, chain and uh, I, I provide logistics and support. I'm a man of many hats, they say. Ah, so you do a lot of different jobs around the office. Yeah, I'm the guy that uh, when nobody else can figure it out, they call me. Oh, damn. Is he like the man? <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> Tell me more about this lifestyle then, because obviously you said that you're from New York, and I always presume, you know, big city or lights, you know, Times Square sort of thing. But you live in the woods. So how does that happen? Yeah, so actually, when you don't have to get very far out of New York City, and, and the whole state becomes pretty rural. Some fairly large cities up here, too. But uh, a lot of it is a mix of farmland and woods. And we live right on the edge of the Adirondack Park, which is a very large, bigger than some states. So there's kind of a wilderness area going on there and it's very foresty and whatnot. But I mean, we live in civilization, obviously I have internet and there's a lot of people around me. We have neighbors and everything. We live in a neighborhood. We keep chickens and you know we shoot guns out the backyard sometimes. And that sounds pretty cool. Would you ever consider moving like right into the city or is it just a now for you? Uh, no, I mean, if you go back, rewind a year, I would say no, it's a fun place to visit, but not the lifestyle that I want. Oh, so what's changed then within a year? Well, then obviously, if you go, if you look at what's going on now, I mean. With COVID. Yeah, and just the way that the city is just, we weren't nearly as affected just by the fact that we have a backyard and we have a place where we can we can walk around. I couldn't imagine being in a little shoebox somewhere in an apartment crammed on top of 8 million other people. I mean, the density is just absolutely immense and crazy down there. Yeah, I imagine a, a lot of stress would be happening, especially if you crammed in like small rooms and small boxes. You know, I lived, grew up in a, in a town of 10,000 people and I just, that's what I'm accustomed to and it works out. You know, when you have a family and you start having kids, it then it really starts being nice to have a little bit of breathing room, a little less density. Yeah, because I imagine things get more stressful, especially when you have kids. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's, you have a little room to, to, to spread out and, and you know your neighbors. It works out that way. Nice. That sounds actually really relaxing as well, just being in the woods, just away from everything. And I like that you've got neighbors yeah. as well, so you still got that social balance if you do need to speak to someone else as well. 
Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, you know, you're right. We're, we're really close. We're about 15 minutes from uh, Saratoga Springs, which is a really hopping tourist town most of the time. Um, so there's a full nightlife and whatever if you wanted to do that. Um, but I'm old now, so. <laughs> yeah, I'll start off asking you qu the questions. The next two questions sure. I ask everybody that comes on this show. What is the best thing that's happened to you in life? Well, it's kind of cliche, but I, I would have to say that probably the best thing that, that happened to me in my life was um, meeting my wife and ending up making sure that our relationship worked out because it wasn't just a very easy one. It, was, it took some work in the beginning and yeah, I'm really glad that it worked out the way that it did. She uh, really helped me get myself on the right track. Um, I was floundering around a lot in my 20s. Yeah, I think people got a bit wild in the 20s. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, you can uh, wander off the path a little bit. And uh, sometimes it takes somebody else to help you, uh, remind you where the path is. And she definitely did that for me. And it was, uh, and, you know, almost 20 years later, here we are, so. That's right. I don't think it sounds cliche at all, because I spoke to like two or three people on there and they say the best thing that's happened to them is their family. I think it's just a natural, it's just people see it as like that, that probably like that cheesiness, that cliche thing, but I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it really is. And you know, it's something that I hope everybody gets to, uh, gets to enjoy. Um, and my kids are awesome too, you know, but my wife was really the one that started it all. So she nice. put me on the right path. That's good. So, what strayed you off this path? Then, obviously, you said that you was going on the way to like towards a wrong path. I imagine. Well, I wasn't. Uh, I was just kind of wandering around. I didn't know um, what I was doing or where I was going. I know what your next question is going to be, actually. So, if you want to ask <laughs> that, this is going to segue right into it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what is the worst thing that's happened to you in life? Okay. And so. But I've been thinking about this since you asked me to be on, and, and this really is the story that I want to tell. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me, and it's still in that positive. I had an awful, awful, awful time in college, and I don't think a lot of people say that. Like, usually all they ever hear about good experiences coming out of college. Yeah, I've heard a lot of, like, obviously, like, especially, like, college over in America, like, the, the term that instantly comes to me is, like, frat parties, you know, drinking games, houses. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I had my good share of that, and I had, it was an awkward time. I didn't get the education that I really deserved myself. I shelled myself short. Now, keep in mind, I still ended up with a, with a degree. I still made it through, but, boy, there was just a lot of things that, that I, and it was my fault, but... I don't, I wasn't ready and shoving people out there and some people, it just doesn't click right. And it was, uh, it was pretty rough and it set me spinning because when you come out of college, you're supposed to have a good direction, right? And yeah. I didn't have a good direction. You feel a bit lost. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely lost because I, here I was, well, you know, when you grow up, you have a pretty strong family and, and a good sense of direction of like, you know, growing up in the eighties, it was very right and wrong. And here we go. And we've got a path and we're going. Here I go. And then all of a sudden I'm off that path and I'm on my own and I didn't know what to do. And I ended up going in the wrong direction a couple of times. That's scary, isn't it? I imagine. Yeah, it can be. It can be. Um, because, you know, here you are, you, you had an idea of where you were going and all of a sudden it's, it's just not, not clicking for you. And I think that happened to quite a few people in, in the nineties, but what, I don't think they did it to themselves. I think I did this one to myself. How do you think that you did it to yourself? And like, what caused you to feel lost and just... It was losing focus of what I had to do. You know, you go to school and you're there and you're gonna have a good time and you're gonna meet people and do all that stuff. And that social life is important, but you're really there to study and learn. 
and and buckle down and do work. And I just didn't do that. I, I I lost the discipline that I had that got me to be able to go there. I just I floundered because I I you know I knew what to do, but I didn't do it. And I tried to kick our cuts. And the party was more important than planning and, and the studying. And I limped across the finish line, basically dragged my half dead body across the finish line, and then looked around and went, "Now what?" What, what what's the sort of thoughts that was going through your head then now you've you've finally finished and this is it you, you you're open there to the big wide world what was your thinking because obviously you said you felt lost what was some of the the thoughts that yeah. you had yeah because you know when you're if, if i had, was doing the right things and doing the right steps and, and and of course at the time i didn't was was telling myself that it was all these other things that were wrong it wasn't me that was you know doing the wrong things but you know when you're Going to get ready to go off into the wild world. You start to have a plan. You start interviewing for jobs. You decide where you're going to move, what's going to happen. You try to line up some things. And I, I just, I limped across the finish line, and I looked around. And I was like, okay, great. Um, now what? I'm, I'm still delivering pizzas on the side or whatever I was doing. And I'm, you know, time to grow up, time to get a job. And I had no idea where to go, no career track, no proper networking, because I just missed the whole thing. Screw it. I'm gonna not be a productive member of society i'm just gonna be a bum oh damn you had them thoughts as well oh yeah oh yeah but something in the back of my head always kept me going it always kept me churning you know trying to try to put something together try to get something hustled on the side try to i met some people that were doing um parties and and live music events and stuff like that and i worked with them a little bit and always trying to get you know, angles this and that on the fringes and whatnot. And, but never just saying, buckle down and saying like, okay, let's go get a job and let's go grind it out and let's earn some cash and let's let's build up some skills. And but that took me 10 years to get through that. You know? Man, that that's a that's a hard 10 years to give away as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's got to have improved you as, as a person. I mean, would you have still met your wife if you wasn't on this path? No, ironically, I met her at a concert. Um, really? I was standing, yeah. Well, I was standing outside the concert, handing out flyers, working for someone else, working, you know, doing my two-bit job, handing out flyers, and I met her there. Um, and then we met again at a show locally, and it went from there. Yeah. Well, so, damn. Did you play it off smooth? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. First, you meet, I, I used to stand around meeting a million people, but... I don't know what, what it was that got me, but, and then we met again, and then we met again, and then, you know, it started to click, but. Nice. So it, it did all work out in the end? Yeah, yeah, it did. And then, you know, by the time, by the time we really got together and, and, and worked that self, worked it out, I, uh, I realized, okay, I need to do these things. If I want, if I'm going to be serious about having a relationship here, I need to, well, literally grow up and become do, do things, you know, quit being party boy and I got to go work and go be a man, take care of business. And not only did she motivate me, but she also kind of helped me, steered me along the right way. So. Hey, it sounds like she's been a big, a big positive impact on your life as well. Yeah, she's absolutely great. And uh, it's been good. So we had, we have a good foundation with, with um, you know, our hot music hobbies and stuff like that. And then we built a good life on top of it. Nice. I'm glad things have cleared up over the years. And now, you know, you've had this rocky start, but it seems to have all worked out in the end, man. That's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That um, good. But yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny. I tell that story and, and I was never really 
hungry. I was never really destitute. I always managed to keep my car on the road. So even when I was like being a, a bum, I wasn't really that bad. I never really got that far off the path. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's like my worst story. It's not that bad compared to what I, you know, I had some people who have had some real rough times. Yeah, like listening to some of the people have um have asked about it. There's been some rough ones to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm definitely just a I I'm slid right into middle age. Um and 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 you know what? I like being an adult. I really <laughs> like it. That's so weird to hear. <laughs> it is. It is. It's something that I think that people forgot about. I think, you know, well, if you want to, you know, blame it on the boomers, but they never wanted to grow up and and we kind of all learned that maybe we don't want to grow up and maybe that wasn't a good lesson maybe we should grow up and enjoy being adults yeah you can do a lot more as an adult as well <laughs> absolutely <laughs> the only thing i miss is just running around like crazy as a kid because if you run around as crazy now people will think something's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah or, or unless you're chasing your kids yeah true true <laughs> all right and <laughs> I'll start with the rest of the rest of the questions then there. So oh, sure. Sure. if you could ask a single person one question and they had to answer truthfully, who and what would you ask? Oh boy. One person, one question. And you guaranteed the truth. I don't know who I would ask exactly, but let's see. I'm gonna I I wanna know if I'm gonna do the one person, I wanna know who shot JFK. Oh really? So who am I going to ask? Alan Dulles, Lyndon Johnson, like... <laughs> <laughs> who do you reckon did do it? Who's still alive that could answer that question? Because I think <laughs> everybody wants to know the answer to that one. What What do you think on it? Who do you think shot JFK? I, I'm really not sure exactly. Um, yeah. But I, I do know that the, that the official story is complete and utter hogwash. Oh, you think so? <laughs> oh, of course. I mean... Oswald might probably did shoot, might have hit, but he didn't do all the damage. There was somebody else involved and he wasn't alone. It was definitely a big operation. The conspiracies are deep on that one and it's there's so much good evidence to point in so many directions. I'm really not even gonna speculate like what I really think or anything, because I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to ask somebody about that. Yeah, that'd be interesting, especially getting the answer. I'm surprised that nobody has actually said like they'd want to know who Jack the Ripper is. He's kind of known over here, but he's not a not a big uh, not as big over here. Oh, he's, he's that's massive over one. here. Actually, now, now that I'm thinking about that, there are some weird conspiracies like that he might have been some famous person or some. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. Like I know with the the JFK one as well. There's a I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory, but there's lots of documentaries. Um, oh sure, yeah. and there's one where they thought it was the driver that shot uh, JFK, and I was like, "That's pretty interesting." Yeah, he might have been. There's a, there's a couple of frames on the film that he shot that. Then there's the man on the grassy knoll, and then there's supposedly, possibly, an angle of somebody that might have been in the sewer. Oh really? And, uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, who knows? But it, you know, there, that magic bullet didn't work, so. And the and the, the bush babushka lady is it? I've seen that one quite a lot. Um, it's the lady with the umbrella. The umbrella man is actually interesting because they tracked him down, but he turned out that he was actually protesting some other thing. He was and and putting the umbrella up with some kind of political statement for some other weird, bizarre thing, some 
tax law or something weird. He was doing some weird one-man protest, and it had nothing to do with anything. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one, yeah. Because ah, they thought they were... Yeah. Because he was a very uh, suspect there. Yeah, he did look a bit sus though, didn't he? <laughs> right, the the next question I have for you. Well, I've got to stop talking sure. about these bloody conspiracy theories because I, I love them. I, oh, I, know, but so I love, I love them so much, yeah. You right. know, I talk to my friends and I just say, okay, now put your tinfoil hat on now and they know that not to take me too seriously. <laughs> I, I love them so much because they're so interesting. Even if some of them are fake, I'm not going to say they're all fake because you never know, but they're so interesting to listen to. Yes, some of them are very good stories. And, you know, there's usually a kernel of truth somewhere in there. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've been following these weird things like this since I was a little, little kid. And it's fun to watch the stories evolve over the last 30, 40 years, too. To see how they changed. Yeah, yeah. UFOs. UFOs were aliens, and then they became... Then, there was the, then they were like, no, they're just the government. And then it was, no, no they're interdimensional beings. And now it's about to... <laughs> maybe it's the government again, or moon Nazis, or... All right, th this one might be an interesting one, then. Um, what is the funniest drunk story you have, Scott? Oh, boy, drunk story. Um, Try and remember hmm. it. It's going to be hard. <laughs> I will tell you a story. We were partying. We were at a music festival one time. And so... We were drinking and there was alcohol involved. We were, at the, we were on the beach and uh, we went down there. It was at the end of the night. We went down to see what was going on. There was people hanging out at the beach, partying, and we were all drinking, doing our thing. And we met these, met these girls. And so we walked back to the campsite with these girls. And, you know, okay, life is, life is going great. And then all of a sudden I realized I lost my glasses. And I had just gotten my glasses like three days before. And they were like 200 bucks and it was a big oh. deal. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, crap. So now I'm like, hmm, girl, glasses, girl, glasses. Oh. So I stumble all the way down to the beach, back to the beach. It's like half a mile. And I start looking around the sand, looking around the sand. Of course, I can't find them. Finally dejected, I go, and now any drunkenness or fun or anything that I had at the time was out the window. And so now I'm walking back to my campsite, dejected, but glasses lost, doing the walk of shame. Oh, no. I had like, <laughs> I had like a half a joint. I was just kind of smoking angrily. As I'm walking, <laughs> and this golf cart rolls up on me, and I'm like, "Oh no, I'm not. I'm not, they're gonna give me a hard time here." And the guy go, looked at me, and he goes, "You want a ride?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, all right, thanks." <laughs> so he takes me back to my campsite. I go to sleep. I get up the first thing in the morning, like three hours later at daybreak, and I go back down to the beach. Now it's daylight, and there's people hanging out, swimming. There's a lifeguard there. Like, okay. So I start looking around on the beach for my glasses, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world, okay? In the first place, it's like, you know. And so somebody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I lost my glasses. Oh, okay, I'll help you look too. You know? Now everybody's like, yeah, what's going on over here? Oh, the guy lost his glasses. So now I've got the whole beach looking for my glasses, digging in the sand, Funny people. <laughs> that's, so, that's a good party to I, have, you know. It's a ridiculous thing. So finally I stop and I, I, I about 10, 15 minutes goes by. I'm like, all right guys, hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate all your help. But like, I'm gonna call this, we're, we're done. We're done, thank you. Like, this was this was great, but we're, we're done here. And I turn around and I, and I just, and I gave like one of those dejected, like kick the dirt, like just kick my foot into the sand and I kicked up my glasses. <laughs> no. I swear to God, that happened. You kicked up the actual glasses as well. Up, up the glasses went up into the sand. I went, oh my God, there they are. I walked off. Everybody, everybody cheered. 
and I walked off, start my day. It was the most ridiculous thing. It, it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever had that ever happened in my life. I think that I think that's so fucking cool. <laughs> Twenty people looking for these glasses, and then that's it. Boom! You kick them up. You were so lucky. Holy shit! Oh my god. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's an interesting thing because so I don't know. I'm not sure, you know, God, spirituality, karma, whatever. But like sometimes I think in my head that there's a guy in the book that, you know, writes good and bad and makes sure that, you know, if I do good things that all some other good things happen and he keeps a thing. And that guy has a wicked sense of humor. So he likes me to struggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it help you, but like it's a little bit do- a bit, little bit naughty and dodgy. It's like yeah, you suffer a little bit, yeah. but you'll get these glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eventually, it's like, it always works out like that. Like I, I, I can't just it just can't happen properly the first time. <laughs> you are you are lucky. You are so lucky. But but I have I have because of that crazy guy that that, that likes to do that. I've learned patience. Ah, you used to be quite um, quick-witted and angry before. Yes, very, very. And and that goes away with age, and it goes away with having kids and having to be patient for them, and it goes away with being patient because I'm always getting messed with by the universe, but I know it'll work out in the end if I just settle down. Yeah, as long as you just, you know, you do good, you'll be all right. That's a good way of looking at it. It's tough, and sometimes I have, sometimes I forget, and I have to. Oh, hey, hey, remember, this will be okay. You have to try and refocus. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and go to our music segment. Today's track is Alpha Vale, Forever Young, the retro wave synth cover by The Motion. He creates really cool music, so please check out The Motion. I've left links in the description. Now sit back and enjoy the music.
Have you ever lost someone close to you? I I really haven't as as an adult. Um, I'm pretty lucky in that in that regard. I mean, when I was young, I lost my grandparents, um, but they they were old, and so that's kind of what happens. Uh, yeah. But I've been pretty lucky that I, as an adult, I haven't had to go through the gut. Um, both my parents are still alive. My wife's parents are still alive. Everybody's kicking them. That's good. <laughs> So far, so good. I mean, they're all getting warm, but, you know, when, when I was younger. I'm sure it's all going to be fine. <laughs> a few more years at least, no problem. <laughs> right, so tell me an embarrassing story about yourself. And you can't use that glasses one. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. But um, let's see, an embarrassing story about me. Um, I, I have a mix of being very embarrassed and having absolutely no shame at all. Um. I used to be, well, you know, angry young man. I used to just like not be afraid to make a scene anywhere. Um, I guess, so I guess that is pretty embarrassing at this point. I definitely used to be that guy that would like, sorry, um, even when I'm doing it, I usually would be like, what am I doing? This is, this isn't the way to act. This is not how we do this. So, but I've definitely, uh, I guess I can say I'm embarrassed by a lot of things like that. Um, a lot of stupid things that I've done um, in the past. But, you know, I kind of move on and, and now I don't do that. Now I'm not, no, I know. I Something happened where I said, you know what? I'm not anonymous. People know who I am. People are going to remember me one way or the other. It, it sounds like you've you've grown up quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you're more level-headed now as well. Definitely. Absolutely. It, it, it goes back to that. I like being an adult. And part of that is being responsible and being civil and being, being a good person. Um, well, it's kind of it's funny. We, all right, so here's a wood story. We looked outside today and there's a dog on my porch and two dead chickens. Oh no, who is this dog? Turned out it was the neighbor's dog. Got off their leash. So we took the dog back and the guy was very, he's like, hi, I know somebody's got chickens. Let me, I'll make this right. And I thought, okay, cool. You know, no big deal, whatever. And uh, my wife's like, oh, well, that sounds like you handled it really well. That's not what you would have done 10 years ago. You have. You have matured a lot. You're definitely more level-headed now. What do you reckon you would have done 10 years ago? I just gave him a good old bollocking. Yeah, probably. I would have run down there and, like, you know, yelled at him and demanded some kind of restitution and, you know, just made an ass out of myself. Well, I mean, it's good that you can look on, look back on that now and think that you're a better person now than you was previously. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess if... I guess... <laughs> so to circle back around to your question is, like... I guess I'm embarrassed by a lot of stupid things that I did when I was younger as a whole. There's nothing one thing to point to, but boy, I was a ding dong. <laughs> At least you've admitted you was a ding dong. <laughs> right. The next question I have for you is what is the scariest situation you've been in? I don't think I've ever really been in too many situations where there's been uh, a chance of physical harm. We've never been in any riots or anything like that or any, any real bad weather mitigate risks keep myself out of scary situations for the most part seems like you've been quite lucky <laughs> yeah well you know some of it's luck and some of it's uh some of it's planning um this wasn't scary but it was you know we went hiking last weekend and we got halfway and uh we got halfway in to the lake and it started to rain we had to run back out but we were we were soaked it wasn't scary at all but it was uh i can't think of anything really too scary um that sounds right more now. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, come on. Did it really need a rain? I will say, you know, I don't want to, this is a lighthearted place and whatever. I'm definitely uh, 
our, our political environment right now is kind of scary. I, I hope we uh, get our collective heads out of our butts and figure it all out. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot in a lot of places though at the moment in the world it's pretty messed up because of you know well COVID. Well, that and everything—it's—it's it's deeper than that, I think, too. But that left definitely exposed a lot of things. And either way, we gotta—we just gotta figure out how to be good neighbors to each other again. Yeah, I think in a few years everything will be back to normal. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Same here. So, what is the strangest thing you've seen? Oh, hmm. well, this will be strange for you, but uh, not so strange for where we live. But we have um, currently. I went outside one night and uh, it started like this. My wife goes out the night and she goes, Do raccoons waddle? I said, what? She's like, there's something at the bottom of the stairs and he waddled away. Keep in mind, we live in the woods. This, this sounds like the scariest story ever. I just asked you, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're used to it, but so I don't know. So the next night I'll go around behind the house at, at the end of the night. I'm going to walk in the garden just to, to take a walk around. I hear some rustling. I turn the light on and I see this thing waddling. What is that? I think. Oh, okay. We have a porcupine. We have a porcupine that lives <laughs> with us, and and he comes out of the woods. And the funny thing about the porcupine is that he knows he's a porcupine, and he knows nobody will mess with him. So if he's in the middle of the driveway when we're driving home, he's not moving for us. He's going at his own pace. Oh, really? Porcupines oh, yeah. have that attitude. I had no idea. I thought there was sort of like mouses where if you go by and they scurry away a lot of the time. Oh no! Well, he knows that. Nobody can mess with him because he can take out a bear with his quills. Really? Yeah, porcupines. Uh, I mean, they're they're vegetarians and they're 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 really not bad to have around. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, they're nasty because they have those quills, and so they basically they rule because they have such a good defense, and he knows it. Oh damn, that's crazy. I know um, armadillos are tough, but I never knew about. Um... Oh my god, I've just literally forgot the animal we was talking about. Drawing a blank. But I, I heard a story about an armadillo before where I don't know if it's just an actual story or a rumor or whatever or a myth, but a man shot a, a, a porcupine. <laughs> a man shot an armadillo and the shell was that hard, it bounced back and shot him in the head. I don't know if that can be true or not. <laughs> I don't know, that's a good one. I might repeat that one. <laughs> I mean, if it is true, then damn, their shells are tough. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, yeah. Oh my. That's funny. But, <laughs> but Karen, you were saying this, this porcupine was just like at your door. <laughs> yeah, so he just, so so out our doorstep, we have like the chickens uh, area and there's water hanging there. And I we must, the whole neighborhood must come and hang out. So everyone, I have to be careful now outside because I'll come around the corner and he'll just be standing there. Mr. Porcupine. <laughs> He's still there today. <laughs> Just hanging out. Yeah, he lives in the woods somewhere, and um, he comes out and he drinks our water. And if I don't, if I don't pick up the chicken food, he'll eat the chicken food, and um, and he hangs out. And apparently, it's good for us because he keeps the raccoons away, and the raccoons will eat our chicken. Oh, oh, so it's like a little bodyguard then. Oh yeah, yeah. He keeps he keeps away the things that would eat the chickens because nobody wants to mess with the porcupine. That's mad. I had no idea porcupines were that tough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's the wild kingdom out here. We have deer. I always scare the deer when I walk out too early in the morning. If I get up too early, the deer are out here and they always puff at me and run off. You must get some amazing views though. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, um, the animals and stuff and being in the woods and then 
not, we live kind of on a hill, so when I ride off, we can kind of see. I have a really nice view of the sunrise every morning when I go to work at the top of this hill. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. The next question I have for you is, is there a quote you live by? Definitely that I live by strong internal moral compass. Something inside me knows the difference between right and wrong. I'm wise to pay attention to it. Well, that's yeah. not a quote, but that's just the way it works. It sounded like a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can have it as your quote. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> you just got to remember what you wrote there. <laughs> Do you resent the way you was raised? This is this is a hard question, and the answer is yes and absolutely not. Okay. Um, well, but, wh- why are the both answers? So, so I got a good upbringing from a loving family, a mom and dad, family, parents, extended family, on a pretty good path. And in some respects, I couldn't ask for a better upbringing. I really couldn't. I lived in a small city, still sheltered from the craziness of the 80s and the 90s. My dad always worked hard and always made sure that we never even thought we might be poor, even we might, even when we might have been. I always had every opportunity to do everything, push forward, get a good education, and, and have a good, good start in life. And I couldn't ask for anything better. Always that but. Damn. And I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something about my family that it just doesn't quite, my side, of, my, my family just doesn't fit well together. We don't, oh, we really? don't get along. Oh, what, but, do, what do you reckon caused that? Or is it just not like it just doesn't have that, that bond? Yeah, I really don't know what it is. And I don't know why it is. It's something intangible. It's really weird. I didn't even know it wasn't there till I saw how other families interacted and worked. Just actually enjoyed being with each other. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's an interesting dynamic because boy, they did a really good job. But this is one thing that's missing and I don't even know why it's missing or what's wrong with it because none of us are really bad people. We're all good people in our own right, but just don't mesh well together as a family. Have you ever all tried to speak about it? My family, that side, my parents are, are very, very reserved about a lot of that stuff. Um, and we don't talk a lot about that. It's very kind of, kind of held in a lot. I mean, it is what it is. And, and I wouldn't trade it in for, for anything because, the, again, good way outweighs any of the negative. Well, you always get some good and bad, so it has to be balanced out. I don't think anyone's life could be 100% good or 100% bad. No, absolutely not. And and it's hard. Be, and it's, and anytime I really feel like uh, I got a really raw deal or anything, I just stop and have to really recheck myself. I know, you, you know, little tweaks here and there. For the most part, we, we did okay. That's good that you checked yourself, you know, when you were thinking, you know, like that you need to be more level-headed. Yeah, well, it's really easy to be resentful in the world. It really is. And um, it's not a good way to live. The next one I have for you is where is your favorite place in the world? I would have to say my favorite place in the world is <laughs> it's a little town in the middle of the Adirondacks, a couple of hours from here, farther into the woods, where we all, where we used to go every year. Oh, they have state campgrounds and you can go and they're all set up and you bring your tent or your camper and you pay 20 bucks a night and there's a bathroom and a beach and a little site for it and a fireplace. Really nice to go up in there. And there's this one that we used to go when I was a kid. It's up in the, uh, tucked up into the woods, and then it's tucked up off the main road behind a mountain, kind of tucked in a quiet little spot on this tiny little lake. 
They don't let only rowboats and canoes, so it's just super, super quiet. You know, when you're up in the Adirondacks, even though you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, you can still hear traffic always. There's always traffic. You're never too far from a road or an airplane or something. It's one spot up in just got super, super quiet, super, super dark. It's in the middle of the Adirondacks. It's one of the darkest places in the in the in the United States, uh, definitely on the East Coast. And you can look up and you can see more stars than you've ever seen in your life, probably, and just still quiet. Beautiful. Yeah. Damn, that sounds really nice and relaxing just to get away from everything for a bit. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous up there. So gorgeous. I mean, I, I live in the place. If you came to my house, you would think, oh, wow, you live in the woods. This is great. And then I would say, no, no, let's go to the real woods. And it's it's amazing. Maybe one day I'll get to go. <laughs> hey, if you ever come over here, you'll look me up. I'll definitely show you the, show you the, the whole. I'll give you the nickel tour for sure. That'd be, that'd be sick. I, I love the woods and stuff like that. The next one is, do you hold any grudges against anyone? Not really, not anymore. I've let them all go as I've gotten older. It's not worth it. Now, I will say this. I do have a long memory. Ah. But it's not, it's not worth being angry about. What grudges did you hold them? Because obviously you said you don't hold them anymore. No, but I mean, I, I definitely... Well, all right, I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you one grudge. <laughs> There's always one. <laughs> Well, this is actually this. So I have not, I don't know how, how you do it uh, over here when you go to concert, um, you buy tickets in advance and basically you have to buy it from Ticketmaster. And then, and if you go to a concert, a big concert, most, almost every venue, and even most of the small ones now are run by Live Nation. That all started to get consolidated about mm, 20, 25 years ago. Some weird things happened with the laws and, and it, had, it had a weird, I won't, for you with the details, but it was a weird thing with radio consolidation, live music, tickets. I saw what was happening. I saw what they were doing. I got really mad. And long story short, I have not paid money to Ticketmaster or a Live Nation event in almost 20 years. Despite really? the fact that I used to, despite the fact that going to live music was one of my major, major hobbies for the past 20 years. Oh my God. It must have, it must have pissed you off for, to not buy a ticket ever again. I just, I just refused. I said, this is it. I'm not, I'm not paying money to this dang company, the way that they're doing it. And, you know, I don't want to bore you with, you know, this tinfoil hattery or this, you know, my rant about how the, the monopolization of the music industry just ruined everything. But I just, I stopped. I, st I, I have not gone to a major concert or sporting event. Anywhere I have to pay a ticket for Ticketmaster in almost 20 years. <laughs> That's fucking mad. <laughs> that grudge, that one grudge against Ticketmaster, I love it. <laughs> Wait, now it gets even better because, yeah, and I'm holding that one. It gets even better because now down in down in Albany, which is uh, a big city, the capital of the state, and it's about an hour from where I live. And there's a, a theater that has occasionally has some really good bands at about 2,500 seats. Uh, and sometimes I really want to go to the concert. And it's, it's not... <laughs> It's not Live Nation, so it's, it would be an independent for whatever, but they were selling tickets to Ticketmaster. It turned out that I had a buddy. I knew a, a friend of a friend who worked there. So whenever I got tickets, I would actually get the tickets directly from the venue so I didn't have to buy them from Ticketmaster. <laughs> so that, that's, how, that's how much of a grudge I have. Damn, that is a massive grudge against Ticketmaster. <laughs> but, you know... When when this all happened in the late '90s, Pearl Jam got mad and 
said, hey, Ticketmaster, you suck and you're doing stuff that we don't like and we're going to stop working with you. And at the time, I was thinking to myself and I was hoping if maybe like a half a dozen other big bands did the same thing at once, they probably would have like put itself out. But everybody let Pearl Jam stand up and, and everybody and did go with them. And uh, here we are today. <laughs> Do you reckon you could ever forgive Ticketmaster? <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> I'd rather stay home. <laughs> At least you're passionate about that. I like that. <laughs> well, it's easier. It's easier to have boycotts on things that I'm not going to do anymore now, too, because I'm old and I don't want to go to concert anyway. <laughs> Maybe maybe one day Ticketmaster will try and get in contact. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, the last question I have for you is sure. do you do you have an end goal in life? Yeah, I have an end I, sort of. I uh, my youngest is 9 and so I've got another 10 years of intense parenting that I've got to really get through and another 10 years of that I'd like to enjoy my life. So the end goal is to get her up and running with a minimum of defect and still have a little gas in the tank to enjoy myself at the end there. And uh, hope that I make it to enjoy in your years before okay, yeah. rather than flame out. Is there anything that you've got planned that you definitely want to do when you're in the senior year? No, not really. I mean, kind of like where I am. I don't. Well, I used to like kind of I used to be into like say I would have said maybe, you know, I want to travel and see this or that and the other thing. I'm not sure if I want to do that anymore it might change again as, as i change into a different season but right now i'm pretty pretty content where i am and just kind of want to ride it out and 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 uh have a minimum see what happens disruption nice i mean yeah. <laughs> me and my friend have this plan where we're really really old to uh go around shops in mobility scooters to try and take and steal as much stuff as possible but when the people come up to us we just say you're, you're not my son <laughs> Who are you? Oh, you're, you're not George. Oh, <laughs> because like, what they're gonna do? What they're gonna do? <laughs> so yes, when when, yes. <laughs> when we're both old, that's the plan, and we're gonna do it so good. <laughs> there is a time, you know, when you're young, you don't have responsibility, you can get away with things, and then you're an adult, and and you kind of have to tighten it up, and then there's a point when you get a hold again or it just doesn't matter yeah yeah exactly i mean he would tell me off i'd be old and defenseless <laughs> that's great that's great <laughs> thank you again to the audience for listening to the raw life podcast it's been it's been really really great having scott on here especially in the last 20 minutes when we've learned the hate for Ticketmaster. <laughs> I just want to say, Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I've had a blast. This was great. I really appreciate uh, letting you uh, give me some room to flap my jaws here. <laughs> That's no problem. If you ever want to come back on, you just let me know. <laughs> oh, great. I appreciate it. That's awesome. And thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. By the way, I appreciate it. This is a good